Welcome back to The Jacob Wolf Show. First show of 2023. Hope you had a wonderful New Year's weekend. A lot of news to discuss, some of it breaking just after the last episode of the show, including the arrest of Andrew and Tristan Tate and two of their associates in Romania. We're going to talk about that. I'm going to give you my semi-insider perspective on what's going on, uh, read you in on what's happening there. It's going to be interesting. I have known uh, Andrew Tate Uh, longer than uh, certainly most people commenting on this, long before most of the public uh, was ever made aware of him. And so we're going to talk about that uh, coming up in the show. Other news, this is going to be the first episode in which we're going to do call-ins. And so beginning at around 2.30, around a half hour into the show, I'm going to go to the Telegram voice chat. And we're basically going to take your calls one at a time. I believe that everything is set up so that the audio uh, should be routed properly. I'll be able to hear you. You'll be able to hear me. Uh, All of it will record. On the off chance that we run into any glitches, I will just quickly switch to my phone and we'll do it the old school way in which I will hold my phone up to the microphone if need be. So we're set up to do that. Uh, If you aren't familiar with the Telegram voice chat system, it's pretty self-explanatory. The link for that is down below. Uh, You don't have to enter certainly the voice chat just about yet. Uh, We're going to get to that. I think it opens up at 2.20. I think it opens up in about 20 minutes for you to join in if you like. Or I think you can also wait there now. The one thing I ask, try to keep your questions clear and concise so that we can get to as many people as possible. Uh, Whatever your name is on Telegram, first names I'll use, that's what your name is going to be when I read it off. Uh, And of course, we have the live chat here on YouTube. I hope that's working. We had an issue uh, a week ago today, uh, and it does look like the chat is working. So we have that up here on uh, YouTube by all appearances. So uh, it's great to have all of you. Let's jump right in with a big story. And uh, this is a report out of Axios, a report out of Axios. Lula sworn in as Brazil's president in ceremony Bolsonaro skipped. This is a report out of Brazil, again from Axios here. And the reason that I lead off today's show, and in fact, lead off this year talking about this story. It's not an accident. There is a reason for this. And the reason is that the collapse of Latin America is going to be one of the defining stories of 2023. That's my prediction. That's my view. The collapse of Latin America will be one of the defining factors of the next year, and in fact, uh, much longer into the future than that. Let's be very clear about what is happening south of the U.S. border. Throughout Latin America, to include Mexico, Central America, South America, there has been a deliberate, meticulous, strategic takeover of governments, one by one, by Leftists, by far left governments, by socialists, in many cases by actual card carrying communists, one government after the next has been taken. It didn't just start when Joe Biden walked into the White House. It's been happening for a while. And it hasn't happened in 
way completely organically. Of course, it has happened with the assistance of the Chinese who are becoming heavily involved in that region. It has happened with the assistance of Russia, who does it for the purpose of antagonizing the United States. It's happened because of a bevy of other players who are participating. And of course, it's happened because of the natural political tides in that area. The way that Latin American politics really work is that you have this oscillation between a good economy, people feel prosperous, and they're willing to take a risk in their minds and elect somebody who is a free market person because that leader promises law and order and promises to crack down on the narco-terrorists who control that region to a large extent. And they will elect somebody like Bolsonaro. But if for whatever reason there are cracks in the economy, either a currency crisis, a debt crisis, a lot of these things isolated to one country or another country because these countries go far into debt and they have a lot of times very unstable currencies, then what will happen is a left-wing leader will come along and that left-wing leader will promise free money. We'll say, look, I understand you got 80% inflation, but we're going to print even more money and give it out to you to stem the tide of inflation. And this has gone on for a long time, this trend. It sometimes happens on its own volition, always, of course, with the assistance of certain governments from other parts of the world. Of course, that happened with the takeover of Venezuela, famously with Hugo Chavez, and Venezuela remains a hellhole today. But it has been something that has really enraptured much of that part of the world, from Mexico to Colombia to Ecuador to Brazil, Chile, Peru, Argentina, Honduras, one government after the next, one country after the next has been taken over by far-left socialists. Mexico starting in about 2018, these other countries coming in thereafter, being taken over by leftists. Now, these leftists promise people essentially free money, social services that the country can't afford. They promise better education. They make a lot of promises, promises that they, of course, cannot deliver on because these places don't have the sorts of dynamic economies that can support this. At best, most of these countries have commodity economies. You have Mexico with some oil. Of course, one of their Great commodities are illegal narcotics, meth, cocaine, heroin, fentanyl. And that's a big part of their economies. And then, of course, they have remittances. People leave those countries. Sometimes they go to other nearby countries. Oftentimes they come here to the United States. They work at many times higher a wage than they could ever earn in their own country. And they send a great deal of that money back to those countries to support their families. Remittances are one of the major uh, items for those economies. You ask, why can't we ever have federal E-Verify? Who is it exactly that lobbies against federal E-Verify? Well, far less of the Fortune 500 hires illegal aliens than you think. You know, sure, there are some working at McDonald's. Sure, there are um, a lot of them working in, say, meatpacking in certain industries like this where it has become harder and harder to get Americans to do those jobs. Big agriculture is famous for it. 
but not to the same degree that you really imagine. I'll tell you who is really lobbying against federal E-Verify, and that is Western Union. Western Union and other companies that are involved in the sending back of remittances to these countries, and they do so at you know very high rates, very high expense to the people sending the money. These companies lobby to an extensive degree to make sure that those remittances keep being sent, that those illegal workers keep ending up in the United States. They do a great deal of lobbying against this. And so that is uh, one of the problems in all of this. Now, this uh, left-wing takeover of Latin America, it, it has garnered a name. It's known now as the Pink Tide Pink Tide. It's really quite a name. Of course, in Spanish uh, and Portuguese, it has a couple of other names that it goes by. I won't butcher them trying to pronounce them. And it has happened in one country after the next. The electorate in these countries, important to remember, these are, unfortunately to say, very low-functioning people on average that make up these electorates. You have people that are very undereducated or uneducated, very isolated, uh, very just low IQ in many cases in these countries, low functioning people. And so when they're promised free things, they vote for free things. Of course, the elections in these countries on either side are very corrupt. You have a lot of vote buying that takes place. Reports about that in Brazil came out of France 24 and other international media. We did not see major coverage of that here in the U.S. But this trend also demonstrates a real lack of commitment and of capability indeed, by our own State Department and CIA to exercise influence in these countries and prevent these countries from falling into the hands of communists. Now, part of that is because you have a lot of communists working at the State Department. You have a great deal of socialists working at the CIA. You also have people in these departments who would see the collapse of Latin America, continued mass migration of these people into the United States to be in the interests that they hold politically. In other words, it would help them elect Democrats and establishment Republicans as they see it, mostly Democrats. So that's another problem. I mean, in the, in the 1980s and the 1990s and the 70s, going all the way back to the 50s, the State Department and the CIA exercised a great deal of influence within the regions south of the U.S. border. And powers like Russia and China understand that they can affect the fate of the United States by affecting the fate of these countries in many ways. What I'm telling you is that you are gearing up for a wipeout in these countries. So again, as Axios reports, Luis Inacio Lula da Silva was inaugurated on Sunday capping a triumphant return to Brazil's presidency 12 years after leaving office and less than two years after the corruption convictions that sent him to prison were annulled. Was he ever actually in a prison? I don't know. You know, there is a danger in jailing your political opponents. I think the Democrats need to remember this. The Democrats ought to look at history. The strategy of going around and jailing your political opponents over trumped up charges is something that can have a blast back effect. It's something that can politically ricochet in ways that you cannot even imagine at the time that you do it. 
And by the way, that extends to situations where the charges are legitimate. You have to think long and hard about whether that's actually something you want to embark on. Of course, we think about Hillary Clinton. Now that you've seen these Durham investigations be brought, people take those people take those uh, charges to trial. And in every case they're taken to trial, they win in the District of Columbia. They win in the Eastern District of Virginia. You see now why Trump was not exactly in a position to prosecute Hillary Clinton. Because she'd have been charged in D.C. If a trial did happen, she would be acquitted on all charges. There's zero percentage chance that she would be put in jail in Washington, D.C. or frankly in the Eastern District of Virginia if it were an Intel-type case. So there would be nothing but downside for Trump in prosecuting Hillary Clinton. That's why I have said that it would be foolish of these prosecutors, these federal prosecutors in Delaware, to charge Hunter Biden with crimes. It would just be foolish. It would be a waste of taxpayer resources. It would be a waste of their time. It would be a waste of the time of whatever... Uh, jury was brought in, it'd be a waste of court resources. There's zero chance that Hunter Biden would be convicted, even if he were guilty as sin. So there's nothing but, but potential blowback from that. And remember, you don't bring charges for the sake of exonerating people. If they're going to be exonerated, you exonerate them. You don't put on show trials for the purpose of clearing people. That is not how the court system is meant to be used. Prosecutors should not bring charges unless they are confident that those charges are factually correct and can be proven in court. As it relates to Hunter Biden, I would say if he owes back taxes, the IRS ought to send him a bill. They can send him a bill and uh, go from there. I mean, that's really what has got to happen there. I mean, it, it would just be foolish. But Lula was somebody who was thrown in jail over alleged corruption. Was he corrupt? I'm sure he was corrupt. But this idea of jailing your opponents, it has never been one that tends to work out over the long term because that opponent will either come back with with fire in their belly and wind in their sails or somebody in the vein of that opponent who's even stronger will come back. That is a very tough thing. MJ, welcome to the chat here. Everyone, welcome. Good afternoon to everyone here coming to you live. 25% of Somalia's GDP is USA remittance. That makes sense. People from Minneapolis and across the United States makes total sense. So this is happening here. Uh, Lula ran on nostalgia of his previous tenure, which was 2003 to 2010, when a commodities boom fueled unprecedented reduction in poverty. And so that is uh, something that he has promised to bring back. Not quite the same commodities boom. Of course, you did have a boom in corn and soybeans that took place earlier in the year. That has since uh, retracted quite a bit, returned to the mean uh, in a major way. He's declared that Brazil is back. Bolsonaro, meanwhile, went off to Florida. Now, I think everybody ought to remember when these countries completely collapse, as is going to be inevitable with all of these socialists taking over, You could see mass migration into the country uh, to the tune of not a million people in a year, not two or three million. You could see 10 million people, which we may already be getting 
you could see 10 million people in a year. You could see 25 million people in a year. You could see 40 or 50 million people show up here over two years. You could have mass flight, flooding of the borders. Frankly, these would be people whose, under our current laws, their uh, claims of asylum would be legitimate claims under our current laws after their countries totally collapse. Of course, these socialists, they, they tend to be backed by criminal elements, not to say that the other side are, are not necessarily, but the, the socialists really tend to be pro-cartel, pro-drug cartel, pro-narco-terrorists, anti-police. You can hear stories from Ed Calderon about how when left-wingers took over in Mexico, how the cartels were just allowed to run the show, literally to run the police departments in many cases. So this is a major defining theme, what's happening south of our border. And we already know how bad it is as it stands now. Two, three, four million people a year they're estimating now coming in, could be more. You're going to have over the next several months, many people coming across the border. You have catch and release, they're let out. Trump didn't build a wall, that doesn't help. If he had built a wall, that would be seriously helpful right now. I mean a real big giant wall. I mean, people show up to this section of this fence post thing he built and they cut it with, uh, you know, with a torch and they cut open a big thing you could drive a truck through. And in certain areas it's enforced, in certain areas it's not. A lot of these people want to be caught by border patrol because they're going to be released anyhow. They'll be given a meal, perhaps a free cell phone, a Visa card, a MasterCard, something like that. So this is going to be a defining theme and we're going to continue to watch it throughout the year. Now, just after my show was finished up on Thursday, we had news that Andrew Tate was arrested along with his brother Tristan and two of their female associates, including a former Romanian police officer. This is, of course, in Romania. Different rumors at first over whether the arrest was over money laundering or whether it was over human trafficking. The Romanian authorities say it's over human trafficking using a so-called lover boy scheme where women are lured in under false pretenses and then forced to make pornography. This is the claim of the prosecutors, at least uh, in Romania. As of the last time I have checked, uh, just before the show, they are still uh, in jail in Romania. They may not be, but that's what the reporting is, the best reporting I can find. And I have to tell you, I've known Andrew Tate longer than most people have. I first met him, I think, in February of 2019 at CPAC, and we got along famously. I uh, became part of a thing he offered called the War Room, and the War Room is a, a collection of people that are looking to get after it in business for the most part. Uh, these are people who uh, pay some deal of money to get in there. I think at the time that I first became part of it, it was maybe twelve or thirteen hundred U.S. dollars, and I think the price just went up and up from there to make it more and more exclusive, up to five or thousand dollars or more. A lot of smart people in there, a lot of names you would know, a couple of billionaires, at least when I was in there. I eventually ran my own war room within the war room called the Wool Wide World. I didn't come up with that name, but the name worked well enough, I suppose. And uh, there, you know, people would ask me questions and answers. It was kind of an insider group and a lot of industrious people in there, some smart people, some people who weren't so smart, but they were just very hardworking and 
they could probably make a great career for themselves in, in something like sales, high ticket sales. So it was an interesting experience. And I'll tell you, when rogue prosecutors in California first targeted me in 2019, claiming that my business partner met with them in a sting operation in 2016, and they filed this charge on the day the statute of limitations ran out, claiming that they were offered an unregistered security in that meeting, that again, I wasn't at. There's no, there's no dispute whether I was there. They, they admit that. Eventually, they say, well, actually, it's not a security, but we're charging him with attempted grand theft of an amount more than $400. He's like, are you kidding me? No indication that money was ever going to be stolen or anything like that. It's crazy. Meanwhile, you have just out-of-control lootings in California nonstop all over the place. You see those videos. Well, I have to say, when that first happened, uh, Andrew Tate was among the first people to reach out, offer any assistance that he could, offer money for legal fees, bail money if I needed it. I didn't ultimately need those things. I already had things in order. Um, I already had arrangements in order. But the offer was very much legitimate, was very much real. And uh, so Andrew Tate's the real deal. Now, uh, he had been on Twitter for some time, you know, tweeting different things. Yes, he's a former kickboxer, done very well in that, won various championships. And uh, it was well known, had a business where he was making money in the webcam modeling business. Now, you can take whatever issue you like with pornography you can choose not to consume it, but nobody disputes that it's legal in the United States right now and legal in most countries. It just is. I mean, assuming you're dealing with consenting adults, it's legal. Uh, it's not criminal. You can take issue with that, but you can't dispute that it is legal. Now, he was getting out of that business as of very recently. I mean, as you get into 2020, it was already less and less of his you know, market. I mean, he had gone, I think at his peak, he had a webcam uh, situation where he had some 900 girls. Now, this is a large organization, bear in mind, you you can't, I mean, when you talk about this business, and, and this is one of the misconceptions that people have about human trafficking, is they think that that you have, you know, people that can traffic 10,000 women the way you can traffic 10,000 kilos of cocaine or something, that it's just infinitely scalable in the same way that, say, the drug business is. And it's not. I mean, that that is something that is very true. And so for every, let's say, five or six girls you have that, that aren't being trafficked, that are just doing this and uh, doing it to be, uh, uh, you know, voluntarily doing it to make some money, uh, you need probably one manager for every five or six to manage, just to be their manager, the way you would have managers of a sales force or something. And so it's a business that doesn't necessarily scale very easily in most cases. There's a lot of headaches involved. Not a business that I would ever want to be in at any scale. I'll tell you, it's just, it's it's a nightmarish business from a lot of standpoints. A lot of, uh, you know, sort of inconveniences come with that business. And nobody ever alleged that any girls were forced to do this. I mean, I think that the basic... Um, premise of the business is that for the most part, the kind of women that would do this sort of profession are fairly unmotivated. You know, if they figure out they can make $1,000 in an hour, then they say, that's great. That means I can work two hours a week and have all the money I need. Whereas if you have a manager and you have a structure and you have a company, you can incentivize people, you can motivate people, let's say in these cases, to work a lot harder. Both the 
you know, the actual webcam models and the other people involved in the operations from, you know, payroll to, uh, you know, organization and everything else. That is the, the overall gist of this. Um, as far as everything goes, somebody asked you in the chat, who's running his Twitter? I don't know exactly who's posting on his Twitter. I'm just not sure. Um, so that that's the situation there. Now, you know, people make a lot out of these videos. Obviously, there are a lot of people that want to throw shade on Andrew Tate. There, there is a video that has come out, which we can't really play on YouTube of Andrew Tate kind of a slapping around a girl in what looks to me like a situation in bed. I mean, she's wearing lingerie, they're in bed. I think he's half naked and he's, he gives her a slap and he pulls her hair or something. And, you know, they're roughhousing, essentially they're roughhousing in bed. And people have hopped all over this video and used it as, uh, as they say, evidence that Andrew Tate abuses women, this video. Well, here's what the woman in the video that many people are speaking on her behalf and saying she was beat up. Well, Here's what that woman herself has to say. I mean, there's two videos from her. I'm going to play you uh, each of them here. I'm pretty sure many of you have seen a video of Andrew Tate up a woman. And I'm pretty sure not so many of you have seen the same woman coming forward with a statement saying it was nothing but a sex play. So here I am again for the second time. Yes, the woman he has been up. And the same woman who has made a statement is me. So I'm coming forward for the second time to just clarify and let everybody know it was nothing but a sex play, consensual foreplay that we liked doing, that I was into, that I wanted. It was not abuse, there was no physical domestic violence happening. It was a consensual sex play. This is the second time I'm making the statement because I'm getting sick and tired of being tagged, saying I need to come forward again, even though I did. And I don't like seeing injustice of him being called wound for the same video that I've already once clarified, it was nothing but a sex play. So, once again, nothing but a sex play. So, there you go. You have her coming out. And, um, no, that that's not Jordan Peterson's daughter. It's a total, totally different woman. <laughs> no, it is not. It is not at all. Um, so, there you go. I mean, look, this is something that some women are into. It seems to be increasingly popular these days that women like to be, you know, treated roughly in bed, roughhoused um, to varying degrees. It's it's frankly, it's not something that I, I, I am especially into for whatever that's worth. I mean, not to the degree that some are into it today, um, but it seems to be increasingly popular. My, my sort of... Um, take on this and and my opinion is that it, it probably has to do with women being exposed to pornography. You know, there's a lot of talk about, oh, pornography is damaging men. Men want uh, rough, violent sex now because of pornography. But I think that women are being exposed to pornography. I mean, there's no question they are, but at higher rates than ever, that sort of violent pornography perhaps. And, and it seems to me that it is leading them to, in fact, be more into this kind of rough style uh, bedroom activity. It's my own observation over the years. And um, here's another video from this same woman here, just making clear a couple of other points, given that she dated him for years, including when I knew him, uh, can confirm this is true. 
Uh, here she is uh, with a second a sec or a third video, I guess, but a second for this show. I'm pretty sure you know that um, Andrew Tate has been arrested for human trafficking and a rape, which is absolutely absurd, simply for the reasons that it's absolutely false. I have lived with Andrew for years and years, and he would never do anything like this, ever. I've already had to make some videos regarding his innocence when it came to him being called a woman beater for a video that got leaked of us two having a, a little bit of a rough role play. I had to make a video clarifying, two videos in fact clarifying, that he is innocent. And here I am again, coming from somebody who lived with him for years. He is not a human trafficker. He would never rape anybody. And he would certainly never ever human traffic anyone either, including his brother. I am just so shocked and I'm so fed up with all of these lies. Even though we're no longer together, it upsets me because I know the person I have lived with. I know who he is and he is neither of those things and he does not deserve any of this coming his way. So there you are out with this. And Alex Jones had a good breakdown, I thought, where he talks about, you know, the use of sex operatives and things like this, uh, which is very common in politics. And once you once you dip your foot into politics and you don't have to necessarily dip your foot into politics, but once you do, all of these tactics are now on the table. In fact, Alex Jones described a situation where he was at the Trump Hotel. In fact, he didn't even say it was a Trump Hotel, but I know it was a Trump Hotel. And he says there's a Fox News host sitting at the bar, and it's actually a former Fox News host. And he's there with a blonde woman, and then two sex operatives approach him and say, we want to go back to our room with you. And this is a classic setup that was used against Julian Assange by the CIA. It's now come out. CIA set up false rape charges against him with the same thing. Two women, one is a witness, one is the victim. And had a warrant put out for him, which basically made him a fugitive, which is what Julian Assange was running from at first before the, the United States ever brought the Espionage Act charges against him, basically handicapping WikiLeaks for years. They still put out a lot of stuff for a while, and then they really stepped up their efforts against him later. So the whole thing that began his life as a fugitive was now totally exposed as fake. Well, you know, two women tried that against Alex Jones. They walk up. It's happened to me before in D.C., and he kind of identifies them immediately. You know, they usually don't know things about you that women who were that obsessed with you would know. That's a good way to tell. But it was also just way too obvious. And some men will say yes to this. Some men will fall for this. And you can't have it both ways. You can't like fall for it. And then, no, if you if you go with those women, you're, you're in trouble. Sometimes they kill the person too. Sex operatives have been known to kill people. I'm not saying that that I've ever been in that kind of line of fire, although I was drugged once in D.C., barely escaped that. Thankfully, I'd only taken a, 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 a sip of this drink and not gulped it down, because if I had, I'd have been in trouble. Staggered home, couldn't use my phone, my vision was so blurry. So this kind of thing happens, and then Alex Jones says that the former Fox News host then offers him up a girl and says, let's go up to my room. The same exact thing happened to me the same former Fox News host and the same blonde woman. And this happened to other people at the Trump Hotel. So these kind of situations exist. And you have to understand, even if you're not in the webcam model business, they will not hesitate to me to you to set, set up a rape charge against you. The, the system won't hesitate to do that. You have to comport yourself very carefully. You have to vet very, very carefully, any woman that you even talk to. 
it isn't fun. It's it's not convenient. It's it it takes away resources, but you have to do it. Because these things happen. And everything can go swimmingly and then the accusation can come out later or it can be an accusation from somebody who you've never met. Like I said, there's a woman up in Alaska who claims I had some turrid long affair with her. I've never been to Alaska. Or you have situations with these states with with self-filed charges where you know, a disgruntled former employee of ours on Predator DC who had this major substance abuse problem, had to go to rehab, refused to go to rehab for a while. We had to get rid of her finally. We offered to pay for the rehab. She wouldn't go. She then accuses me of, get this, during the filming of Predator DC season three, during the filming, where there's hidden cameras filming everything. There's 20 people in the house, you know, people in every room to working on the show. She claims I, she claims that I somehow hit her over the head with a chair, WWE style, and then body slammed her. Yeah, and like nobody else would hear that in the house. And then she comes back to work for a month and like, give me a break. Of course, the the prosecutor didn't pick up that case, but she filed it. I had to then answer to it, drive out someplace and screw around with it. She claimed that Jack Berkman, who can barely operate his own phone, just got onto an iPhone this year from a flip phone. I mean, he's really that inept with technology. Somehow he became a computer hacker and she claimed that he hacked her phone to get this look at her nude photos. So the point is, Crazy people can make accusations even if they've never met you, spoken to you. Happens all the time. Uh, People who are well-known have to deal with this all the time. And the worst thing that you can do is pay these people out hush money. Some people make that mistake because if you do that, that opens up the floodgates. I think personally Michael Jackson made that mistake and he shouldn't have. I think when Michael Jackson started paying people out, because I've had occasion to speak to his lawyer and get to know his lawyer a little bit in the criminal case where he was cleared, Tom Mesereau. And after speaking to him and getting to know the situation, I, I, I'm reasonably confident that, you know, at least the criminal charges were, were BS and basically they were shown to be in court. But this sort of thing can happen. Then if you add on a layer to that where you're involved in the webcam business at all, you know, it's a it's a problem. It's why, you know, for instance, when I had an OnlyFans account that I started as a joke, you know, basically started it as a joke. Um, I got rid of it before starting Predator DC because I figured, well, look, it's just fitness content. It's 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 me lifting weights and some people like that and they pay $50 a month. But even so, it's just I, I just don't need number one, I didn't have the time to deal with it. But but number two. It just introduces a a hassle that is, you know, not needed. Again, there was nothing at all, you know, sexually explicit on on there. Uh, But nonetheless, it it was just, well, you know, it just doesn't mix well with what we're doing. And and I know that Andrew Tate wound down his own involvement in the webcam business uh, in the run up to really his breakout success with Hustlers University, with uh, all of the political commentary that he's been doing. And when people say that, you know, oh, there's nothing conservative about Andrew Tate. He he doesn't believe in a nuclear family with one wife. And he's uh, he, he's not the answer. He thinks that girls can do OnlyFans. That's not conservative. He says girls can do OnlyFans. That's not conservative. And there are people out there with these kind of takes. Well, first of all, some of those people themselves like let's say Milo Yiannopoulos who's criticized Tate for not being a real conservative. Well, Milo Yiannopoulos was a homosexual for years. He was married to a black man. I mean, you know, 
we're going to talk about gradients of what's conservative and what's not here, let's, you know, let's, let's be careful. And the other part is that it's clearly the case that Andrew Tate answers to questions and answers to concerns with his commentary, with his belief systems, that traditional Orthodox and and less traditional conservatism and conservative commentators don't answer to. They don't answer to it. You know, when you see Josh Hawley on the stage at CPAC, and Josh Hawley gets up there, Senator Josh Hawley, and he says, you know, man, you need to go out there and you just walk up, new man up, and ask her on a date, and you treat her real well. And then when you treat her real well, you pop the question. Then when you pop the question, you go and you have a wedding, and then you have uh, children, and and then you you homeschool those children. Okay, that's great. That's a great idea. Now, you know, there's a million layers between point A and point B there that he doesn't answer to. Well, what if the woman has a tattoo, Josh Hawley? What if she's got four tattoos? What does that mean? Andrew Tate's got an answer for that. Sounds to me mostly like the right answer. What if that girl uh, has a history of being a promiscuous woman, as many of the women at these TPUSA conferences have? In fact, these TPUSA conferences infamously are just major sex bashes. I mean, everyone knows that, that knows anything about these conferences. They've had their own scandals concerning that allegations, settlements paid out, etc., where women who it turns out were underage were let into the conference when everyone was supposed to be of age at the conference, and then they hook up with somebody. Turns out they were only 16, but they were only supposed to be 18 and ups or 21 and ups. It's been a problem for them over the years. Dating back to 2018, first time I heard about it, summer of 2018, they had a, they had a situation take place in Dallas. At one of their conferences in Dallas, they had a major situation take place. So, but they don't have an answer to these kind of questions. You know, what What if the woman's body count is 50? Josh Hawley, how do we look at her? What do we do with her? Can I still go on a date with her? Can I not? Is she qualified for marriage? Well, what if she wants to go out and be a white shoe law firm partner and work 18 hours a day? Is there any problem with that? How do you manage that in a relationship? How many children can you possibly have if that's the case? You see, standard conservative commentary has no answers for all of these questions. None whatsoever. Well, Andrew Tate says women can do OnlyFans. Well, clearly they can. Clearly they are. Men too. So what about that? What does that mean? No, they don't have an answer for any of that. So there are so many questions here, so many concerns in the modern world that young men have, men ages, let's say, 12 to 18, or let's say 12 to 21 or 22, um, that standard conservative orthodoxy does not answer to. I mean, you go, you do the filter of the trad wife that Josh Hawley and so many others tell you to go meet. Do that filter, okay? Now filter for the girl not being morbidly obese. 
and now filter for that turning out to actually be who she is when you dig down deep and do some investigation of her background. How many women does that really constitute, even at a even at a conference on conservative politics? How many women at a TPUSA conference are women that you should even think about getting seriously involved with? Mostly, you can probably count them on both hands if it's a conference of hundreds and hundreds of people. Maybe one hand. But it doesn't answer to any of that. It doesn't answer to the kind of hierarchy games that exist. It doesn't answer to how the dating environment has changed in the last 10 years. It doesn't answer to how to use dating apps or if to use dating apps at all. It doesn't answer to how to date if you live in a small town and there are just no attractive women. It doesn't answer to any of these concerns, and Andrew Tate does. And you can take issue with his answers, but he's at least willing to embark into those levels of detail and those kinds of concerns that so many people are not. Uh, now, uh, before we continue to the questions and answers, we're going to do that in just one second. just want to update you here. We got a report out. Uh, Kevin McCarthy is moving into the speaker's offices now. Now, if he can't secure the 218, he's going to be moving right back out. Uh, he is planning to set up a committee uh, to look into conservatives being targeted by the government based on the Twitter files. Uh, this is a settlement with more conservative members. They're going to look into the disinformation in governments, uh, governance boards at DHS and all of this sort of stuff. Uh, like most congressional investigations, I don't expect this one to go anywhere or result in much of anything. We're going to stay posted on that. Uh, and now, without further ado, I'm going to go to... Uh, the Telegram voice chat. So give me one second here. Let's see if we can uh, get this thing going. Uh, one moment here. I'm going to enter the voice chat here. Okay, I've got that. Okay. Let's start it here. Okay, we've got uh, people here. Let's see, how do I how do I open this up here? I was in it for one second. Let's see, join. Okay, now... Uh, Let's see. If we have anybody that wants to uh, call into the show, you go to the Telegram voice chat now, and uh, I'm happy to take your questions. Uh, if not, we'll move on. I've got that open here, and uh, again, happy to happy to take your questions. Uh, it's it's tough to. By the way, it's tough to monitor all of this. Just just one person here monitoring this and the other chat, and and all of that. Uh, but I'm I'm doing my best here. Uh, so, okay, look, I don't see anybody in the voice chat here. I'm going to leave it open for another few minutes uh, while we talk about our next story here. Uh, this is very interesting. We have here uh, a report out of DARPA. This is their new budget. And I'm going to scroll through here and, and take a look at some of this stuff with you. Uh, it's interesting to look at what what is DARPA looking at. I just read a book on DARPA recently by Annie Jacobson. And... Um, it's amazing how many things were invented at DARPA, like the internet, for instance, originally called the ARPANET when it was still called ARPA instead of DARPA, the Advanced Research Project Agency, not the Defense Advanced Research Project Agency. Their original offices were just around the corner from me previously in Roslyn, where I lived. Uh, they had moved out of that office to a different part of Arlington afterwards. But we look here at some of what they are developing. And I'm going to get to your questions here. I see Ethan in the voice chat. Why don't we try to take Ethan's question here just to see how our techniques are working? Um, so let's see here. We're going to go to 
allow to speak. And Ethan, I think you should be able to uh, ask a question now. Let's see if we can hear you. Okay, Ethan, you should be able to ask a question now if you like, and um, happy to answer it. Just waiting for Ethan here. I've also got Jay in the chat. Either one of you who want to uh, ask a question, you can go right ahead. You're on the Jacob Wool Show if you want to uh, take a swing at things here. Otherwise, of course, we can just keep moving here with the show, um, which I'm going to do here. So we look at what DARPA is working on. Uh, they're looking at scalable atomic clocks to create uh, GPS uh, that, that rather our, our GPS independence are not dependent on GPS to keep time. That's important for a lot of defense projects. Uh, this is a project called Warden that they're funding into 2023. Of course, much of their budget is classified. And this is a project that will increase the range and lethality of high power microwave systems. You know, whether these systems are going to be used to down drones to jam their electronics or to be used in direct attacks against people is a question. But that's one of the projects that they are working on. We continue here. Uh, rapid healing for warfighter injuries. Leveraging artificial intelligence to predict, stimulate, and control physiological procession in complex tissues. Rather interesting. Uh, this is another project, NSIA, that DARPA is working on. Non-surgical machine interface technology to input multiple channels of information into neural tissue. That sounds a lot like Neuralink except it says non-surgical, so presumably without drilling a hole in your head. Very interesting there to see what they're working on. And, and a lot of this stuff trickles out. I mean, so many of the technological advancements that we think about originated at DARPA, or ARPA as it used to be called. I mean, we just don't think about a lot of these things, and, and they're about 25 years ahead of private sector technology in so many cases. Uh, this is a AAI, it's called. It's Facilitation of Operator Machine Interface Knowledge Management and Dissemination uh, and Social Context-Informed AI Forecasting, including focus on measuring and aggregating uh, pre-conscious signals and how these can be used to determine what people believe to be true. So information warfare type uh, items there. Oversight uh, to find uh, basically implementation of automated uh, satellite-based programming to maintain custody, constant surveillance of targets in contested environments, interfacing with IoT infrastructure to supplement satellite capability, so to follow you around, basically surveil people or machines anywhere they might be. Uh, semaphore, this is using... Uh, AI and machine learning to identify false information, its origin, and its intent. Assist, this is development of computational agents, AI, so basically to flood, you know, really advanced bot networks on the internet that can push messages and things. This already, you know, obviously exists to some degree, but really sophisticated ones that are indistinguishable from humans. Those might already be online. I, I suspect they are. Human social systems. They've long been involved in, in sort of 
information warfare, influence operations. They talk about that here, deterrence, etc. Social sim, again, information warfare type uh, projects. They have uh, counter social engineering bots that identify when somebody's using social engineering to infiltrate an organization and get information, like the way I did to get that Nordstrom rack information on the Capital Pipe Bomber. By the way, if you haven't looked at the Capital Pipe Bomber information that I put out on Telegram, you can scroll back to last week and take a look at that. I think it's a lot of useful information. Uh, we have here uh, INSAS integration and language processing, social network analysis, all of this. So again, these are just the non-classified parts of the DARPA uh, budget for defense uh, fiscal year 2023. This was first published in April 2022. Some interesting stuff out there. Uh, definitely interesting. Um, so, you know, thanks so much uh, for, for watching. I guess we're going to wrap up with this here, guys, unless you have anything else in the chat. Uh, also, we're, we're up on uh, Telegram here. I don't know if anybody's got anything to add questions and answers wise on Telegram. I see Ethan and Jay. I see Ted. Uh, Ted is is now uh, unmuted. If you have a question, Ted, I think we should be able to hear you. Um, otherwise, we'll wrap it up here. All right, guys. Well, it's been great to have you on this episode of The Jacob Wolf Show. Have a great 2023. I should be back Thursday at 2 p.m. Eastern time. Uh, but there are a number of commitments and meetings that may change that. It's possible that that will be changed, and I hate to say that, but it's possible it will be changed. But barring any announcements or changes, that will be the time, the place, here YouTube Live and podcast apps everywhere shortly thereafter. Of course, you can support the show financially, and, and many of you have done this, and it's really helped out, helped sustain the show. You can do Cash App, Real Jacob Wool, or jacobwoll.org slash podcast. Uh, that's the Gumroad platform, whatever you prefer. I really appreciate the contributions, uh, really makes it you know worth it and uh, keeps me going. So thanks so much for watching, guys, and I will see you on the next episode.